Good morning. It is a privilege to be here together with you. Though I wish my wife was here too. When she is with me, I feel good. When she is not with me, I cannot even sleep. If I cannot feel her, I don't sleep well. So then I spend the night talking to her on the phone. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to give you a story. But before we do that, let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, in humbleness, we pray that you open the world and touch our hearts according to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I was about six years old and she was about three. And I saw her coming to church with her father and her other sister. And I told my sister, she's going to be my wife. Now, I don't know if you got me. Because you all have an accent except me. So I don't know if you understand me. But she was three and I was six. And my sister says, you don't know what you talk about. You are going to change your mind a million times. You don't even know what love means. And I looked at my sister and I said, you don't know me. And I kept my eyes on her and never took them off her. Some people call it stacking. I called it persistent love. <laughs> and then, when I was in about seventh grade, they called me to sing in the choir. I was at the tenor in the right rear. She was at the alto in the front left. The pastor was preaching. I could not care less. I was watching her. <laughs> Open mouth, like when you go to the dentist, and my friend Pizzi, hey, turn your face, watch to the pastor, listen to the sermon. I said, oh, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> and I would close my eyes and imagine her. Her eyes, close my eyes and picture her eyes. Her cheeks, close my eyes and picture her cheeks. Her lips, close my eyes and so on. I'm not going to give the whole description for sure. <laughs> and then go home and close my eyes and reproduce, remember, picture, see her real. And in the night, I would have dreams with her. And eventually, when I was in high school, I told her, I'm going to marry you. And she said, you don't even know me. I said, you don't know it. <laughs> I know you. You don't know me. I even had a handkerchief that was white and I used Giorgio Armani and sprayed it and kept it only for her. And girls sometimes get emotional. I was watching her. When she started to cry one time, I had a handkerchief ready. <laughs> and she cleaned herself and she smelled it. I said, oh, it smells good. I said, honey, this is for you alone. And eventually we started to date. And after three years and a half, we got married. And we have been married for over 30 years. And I love her every day even more. And I cannot eat without her. And I don't even know how to dress myself without her. I am totally handicapped. I don't function well without her. Let me ask you, how many times have you been watching Christ? 
to the point that you cannot take your eyes off him, to the point that you have visions in the night, dreams of him, to the point that you cannot sleep and you cannot eat and you are handicapped without him. And we say, oh, how I love Jesus, really. Do we have that type of thirst, that type of connection that when you go to prayer, you forget your cancer, you forget your foreclosure, you forget your divorce, real problems, and you forget self. And when you see him, you collapse and say, my Lord. And you basically forget self. And you, you are so in love with God that you don't pray to get help. You don't pray to get blessings. You don't pray to get answers. You pray to get him. What would it benefit you to get everything if you don't get him? In fact, God doesn't UPS blessings. If he gave us Jesus Christ, how will he not also in Jesus give us all things? He doesn't send them by mail. They come with him. In order to get blessings, you need to get him. You need to seek the blesser, not the blessings. How many times we go to prayer and we pray what we think we need instead of praying for his presence in our life? In fact, I'm going to give you something that you need to remember. Pray for what to pray before you pray for what you pray. Let me repeat. Pray for what to pray before you pray for what you pray. I was in university, and in Romania, in that time, it was really tough to get in school. Basically, you didn't register, pay tuition, and then you started to attend. You had to pass three days, eight hours a day exams. Three days, eight hours a day. First day, eight hours mathematics. And it started two hours trigonometry, two hours geometry, two hours calculus, two hours, and I could go on and on and on. All types of mathematics. And then next day, eight hour physics, two hours mechanic physics, two hour electronic physics, two hours static physics, two hour nuclear physics, two hours, and so on. And then next day, languages, two hours composition, two hours grammar, two hours, and I could go on and on and on. And after three days, regardless if you got an A, you will not get in school because there were only 10 seats, they call them. And there were 976 students when I went to the university. So the top 10, if you had a 9, I'm sorry, a 4.9 grade, and there were somebody somebody that, 10 people that had 4.92, you failed because you're not among the top 10. So finally, by God's grace, I go to the university. I got the fourth one among the top 10. I was in. And after I get in, after six months, they call me and they say, you don't come to school Saturdays. And I said, no, because give to God what belongs to God and to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Saturday I go to church, Sunday I go to the mountains and and hike. I get two days. You guys get only one because you don't know God. You are communist. (laughs) And the dean didn't smile. He didn't taste my joke. He says, this Saturday, you come to school. If not, it's your last day of school. You will be expelled without any right to ever register again in any school for the rest of your life. Now, it's easy to tell the story. But when you go through it, it's a little more difficult. 
So guess what I did? Like every good Adventist, you know what I did? I tried to solve the problem. I talked to the dean, he kicked me out. I talked to the secretary, she asked me to leave. I talked to everybody, they didn't listen. So what you didn't do next after you tried to solve it? Eventually, when we have no more solutions, what do we do? We pray. I went to prayer. Lord, please save my education. Please, 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 please. And you know what God said? Nothing. Did you ever pray and you get a no, a no answer, basically nothing? So I called my dad and I said, Dad, I have a problem. I'm losing my education. And I prayed and God doesn't answer. What should I do? And my father said, did you pray for what to pray before you prayed for what you prayed? I said, no, but I don't need to because I know what I need to pray for. I said, well, the Bible says that we don't even know how to pray and the Holy Spirit has to intercede for us. And my father said, did you ask God if he wants you to pray for education? I said, no, but I assume that we should be educated. And my father said, yes, we should. But did you ask God if you should pray for that? And I said, no, should I? And my father said, who are you praying for? Are you praying in your prayers for you or for God? And I said, well, God doesn't need my prayers. And he said, are you sure? Are you praying in your prayers for you or for God? And my father said, think about it. Who is the center of your prayers? Who do you focus on? What do you ask for? Who is the center of your prayer life? Give me, bless me, help me, heal me, my job, my family, my school, my health, my whatever, me, 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 me. And my father said, I'm going to give you a quick story. I don't have time for you. You never listen. (laughs) And he said, Psalm 63, David in the wilderness of Judea, followed by King Saul, hiding in the wilderness with an army of 300, their wives and their children, no water, no food. Read Psalm 63 and tell me what he prayed for. And then you can call me back. I got angry. He doesn't care that I lose school. But I could not call him back because I knew he would say, did you read Psalm 63? So I got busy. I read Psalm 63. In the dry land where there is no water, I've seen you in sanctuary. I want you more than water. I want you more than food. I want you more than life. You are so good. Your love is better than life. When I have you, I forget everything. You, 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 you. Twelve times, you, never me. So I called my dad. I said, okay, now tell me, should I pray for education? And my father said, you never listen. I called him again. I said, you don't care. He said, oh, I care. You just don't get it. And my father said to me, who should come first in your life? I said, God, do you love God more than anything? I said, yes. And my father said, listen, do you love God more than anything? I said, yes. And my father said, you think so or you do? I said, I do. That's what we think. That's what we like to think. And my father said, okay, now if you love God, who should come first, God or education? I said, God. Okay, then what should you pray for? I said, well, there is nothing wrong to pray for education. And he said, you don't listen. And he said, son, whatever you save, you lose. And whatever you are willing to lose for God, that's what you save. And he hung up again. 
And I could not call him again because I knew he would say, you don't listen. So I went to prayer and I prayed the whole night. And God didn't answer. Around 5.30 a.m. I was dead tired. I went to sleep and then, then I was late for school. And next night I prayed again the whole night. And then I took steps to Christ to read. I could not sleep. And I opened in the chapter that talks about prayer. And it happened that the paragraph talked about forgetting self and making God and his honor and his will, the priority of our life above self. And then she would use the Bible verse that who doesn't give up, mother, father, it doesn't say mother-in-law, that would be the easiest one. (laughs) Children, wife, uh, husband, job, including self, is not worthy to be called a disciple. And then I said to myself, am I willing to give up school for God? That's the test. And I said a different prayer. And I said, Lord, I have hard time to say the words, but I am willing to lose education. Some people lost their lives. I am willing to lose education. So I am not going to pray that you save my education. This time, I'm going to pray for you, but I don't know what to pray for you. What should I pray for you? And as soon as I said that, something happened. It doesn't always, but that time it did. I sensed God's presence so strong that I was afraid to open my eyes and I was afraid to continue to talk and pray Because I I said, what should I say? He knows everything. And I kept quiet. And it came in my mind, these people are communists. They don't believe in God. Don't pray for you. Pray that they get to know me through you. So I said, Lord, would you help me be such a light that people seeing me will see you. And in that instant, I sensed, yes. And I had peace. And for some reason, I stopped praying and I started to sing a song in Romanian that is the one that trusts in the Lord. He fears nothing. And the melody says, It may have different words in English, but in Romanian, the one who trusts in the Lord, he fears nothing. And I got peace. I got peace. So I go to the school. It was Thursday morning. And Mrs. Radu, the secretary, meets me and says, Pavel, don't be ridiculous. If there is a God, he's not going to judge you. Come to school, and you, in your mind, you can pray. That's called compromise. And I said, you know what? There were three young men, and they could have bowed down, but they didn't. And they said, if God wants to save us, he could. If not, we would rather die for God than live without God. So I said, I would rather lose my education. And she said, there is no God. Are you crazy? Where is that God that can save you from a communist government? Nobody can save you. I said, lady, you just challenged my God. You don't know my God. Should I tell you what he does? And she says, I want to see what God can do that. And I said, I'm going to pray for you so you can see him. And I called my dad and I said, this is what I prayed last night. And my father said, good for you. And I said, why do you clap? He said, now you start to understand. And now I will pray for you. 
I said, what are you going to pray for? Oh, not for your education. That's in God's hands. I'm going to pray that you represent Christ. And he was so happy. I was like, why are you rejoicing? I'm losing school. I go home. Next morning, Friday morning, my last day of school. The lady, Mrs. Radu, the secretary, comes to me and she's like the Romanian flag. Red, blue, yellow, you know. And she looks to me like somebody died. And she says, Pavel, do you know Ceausescu, the president? I said, no. All I know about Ceausescu is the TV, you know. He's 24-7 on TV. Everybody worships him. And she says, do you know anybody in the government? I said, lady, all I know about government, when I don't have money to buy flowers for my wife, I go in front of the palace, there are thousands of roses, and I take a flower for free for my wife. (laughs) That's all I know about government. And she says, you don't know the president, and you don't know anybody in the central committee of the Communist Party. I said, nope. And she says, there is a God. I said, I told you. (laughs) And I say, why? And she says, today, Ceausescu gave a law. Starting today, there is no school on Saturdays. He said he wants to save the economy. No more power, no more heat, no more. All schools closed. If this law came next week, you would have been expelled. And I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Folks, we say we love God we go to church, what is good, we should. We keep Sabbath, what is wonderful. But we are not saints because we keep Sabbath. You know, lazy people keep every day and they are not better, you know? <laughs> we, we keep Sabbath because we don't work. We pray to do our duty. We even study the Bible and sometimes get nothing. Folks, there is no reason to do any of this if you don't get the God who gave them to you. Prayer is not to do your duty is not to get answers, is not to solve problems. Prayer is not to get blessings. Prayer should be only and only to seek Christ. And after you get Him, He knows your needs. If He takes care of flowers, He will take care of you. We struggle because we don't know Him enough to trust Him. If you know Him, you trust Him, you don't struggle. Church is not to listen to a sermon. We listen thousands of sermons and we never change. Church is to come in God's presence, be aware that you are in His presence, bow down and say, you are wonderful. Study of the Word is not to get eternal life, but to get Christ, to learn about Him. If those things don't encounter Christ, we lose time. It's better to watch a movie and eat pizza unhealthy. You at least enjoy it. I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying that you get nothing. So, I'm, I'm, I was going to a very, 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 very extremely conservative church when I grew up. And I remember they had us fast every Sabbath, adults until evening, children until noon. I hated that because I'm always hungry. I can eat 10 times a day and I'm still hungry and I never gain a pound. I know it's not fair and I don't care, you know. It's just I'm hungry. <laughs> and so, it's, that's life. Deal with it, you know. I can eat and I never gain a pound. I love it. And I eat all the time. And they, kept, they made me fast. That, that, that doesn't happen. I never fast, you know. My wife does that, not me. And, and, you know, adults in the evening would eat big quantities of food until they would fall in a coma. 
But that was holy because you fast every Sabbath. And then there was an apple tree in front of the church. And it was old, had big apples. And when you are hungry and you are a kid, when you see the yellow, nice, golden, delicious apples, what do you do? You know? Well, they came to me, the saints, and told me that to pick up apples on Sabbath is harvesting his work and you lost salvation. You'll go straight in the fire and burn until you repent. They didn't say those very words, but they told me that I am lost. And then, Pizzi, my best friend, his father was the superintendent and the janitor and the one who cleaned the church and fixed the church. And he lived by the parsonage, by the pastor's house. So his father, brother Abraham, called Pizzi, my best friend. Pizzi, come in the house. And Pizzi came and I heard pain, pain. And he's screaming, ouch, ouch, stop. I told you not to let the kids, you are older. I told you not to let them break Sabbath. If they break Sabbath again by... Taking apples, I'm going to beat you until you learn that lesson. I got so upset. I went to his door. I knocked in the door. I said, leave him alone. He didn't take apples. I did. I am the sinner. He is a saint. Brother Abraham pulled me inside, closed the door. Pizzi was on the couch, smiling and screaming, ouch, ouch. I will never do it again. Brother Abraham had the belt, was hitting the door. Stop taking apples. And Pizzi from the couch, ouch, ouch, leave me alone. What's going on? And Brother Abraham said, get on the couch and start screaming. Okay. I got on the couch, started to scream. After the session was done, he says, don't tell anybody what happened here. We got out. Kids, what happened? We said, we cannot tell you. (laughs) Is this what Sabbath is about? You go to church, you don't break apples, you do the prayer, you you listen to the sermon, you sing the song, you go home, and you are an Adventist. Is this what Christianity is all about? You eat broccoli, go to camp meeting, sing in the choir. (laughs) Uh, Don't get me wrong, that's good. Do that. If we don't have a relationship with Christ, everybody in the Bible, all people of faith, Isaiah, he says in the Bible, between chapter 1 and 5, Isaiah was basically, if you look in the Bible, it's six woes. Woe those to those who wake up early and go to sleep late. Woe to those who build. Woe to those who think they are wise. Woe to those who, you remember, build homes. Woe to those, everybody is a sinner. Spirit of prophecy says, and I have the quotation here, it says that Isaiah had a form of religion, a lifeless, emptiness, spiritual form of religion. He has denounced the sin of others, but now, finally, when he sees the Lord face to face, he feels that himself is a sinner condemned to the same judgment that he condemned others to. He has been satisfied, listen carefully, with a cold, lifeless religion of ceremonies. And he didn't even know how he is before he encountered the Lord. Now when he saw the Lord, how little his wisdom appeared. As he contemplates the sacredness of God, the majesty and the holiness of God, he sees himself unworthy. And then he says, woe to me. Isaiah, the prophet, was judgmental, 
had a lifeless religion of forms. He kept Sabbath. He paid tithe. He ate broccoli. He went to church. If you don't encounter God. Paul, on the road to Damascus, he was an educated, good guy, good religion, honest, a lot of uh, passion for God until he saw Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. Folks, nothing is going to change us. No human effort and no forms will ever change us unless we encounter Christ on a personal basis. Unless we have an experience with him, we should seek him, not only blessings. There is nothing wrong to seek blessings. Don't get me wrong. But you see, it says there, throw all your cares upon him. But it also says, seek first the kingdom of God and then the other things will be given to you. When he says, throw your cares upon him, doesn't say, talk to him about them. He says, throw them, leave them there, leave them alone and move on. So I'm not talking about that right now. But I want to give you three things that could change our life. Three things. Three things. Number one, it says there, it says there, if you read the Bible verses, I'm not going to read them because we don't have a lot of time. It says there, in the year of king so-and-so, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were seraphim that had six wings. And you know the Bible verses, don't you? And they cried and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the room shook and he said, Woe to me. You know the story. You see, <clears throat> Isaiah is like in Revelation chapter 3, was a sinner and he didn't know he was blind and he didn't know that he is naked and he is a sinner. And he was judging others. Only when he saw the Lord face to face, he says, woe to me. Number one priority in our religion should be to encounter God on a daily basis. When you encounter God, the number two follows naturally. When you see him, you see how you are. I go to churches, I talk to people, and they start, some of them, telling me how bad the board, how bad the pastor, how bad the wife, how bad the others are. Listen carefully, folks. If you have a problem, and you think it's somebody's fault, you are sick. You didn't see the Lord. You are spiritually sick. Because when you have a problem, and you judge others, you actually have the problem, not others. Because when you see the Lord, you stop judging others and start judging self. You follow me? After he sees the Lord, he says, woe to me. After he says, woe to me. And I get tired of people who preach only God is love. God is love. But God is also holy. We need to see him and see his love and see his holiness and see his grace and see him how he is to realize how we are. Angels don't have six wings to fly fast. If they want to fly fast, they take a BMW. They have six wings to cover themselves in God's presence. We go in God's presence and take it, take it, take it, amen, and go. We don't even know how to pray. Prayer is a dialogue. 
Prayer is the breath of the soul. Breath of the soul, we have only five more minutes. Breath of the soul, I've never seen people breathing only out. People also need to breathe in. Prayer is a dialogue. When do you breathe in? If we only talk, say amen, and then go. It's like me and soccer. I don't get American football. I don't even think that's a game. No offense. I don't like it. Doesn't make any sense. But soccer, that's the real game. When Brazil plays with Spain, Real Madrid, that's something to watch. If I watch soccer, my wife comes and talks to me and I say, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. She says, do you know what I said? I said, huh? And she says, when you watch soccer, you don't listen. That's what we do in prayer. Tak, 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 And we never listen. Don't you think that what God says is more important than what you say? Don't you think that there is nothing you can say that he doesn't know? Elena White says that our prayers are not to inform God. He doesn't need to be informed. He is God. It's better to listen than to talk. Every morning, the Bible says, he awakens, not my mouth, my ear to listen as a disciple listens. When do we ever listen in prayer? When I give you a quick story, I don't even know if we have time for a story, but I give it to you anyway. I was somewhere in Delavan, Wisconsin, and there was a lady, and she was a very spiritual lady, one of the most spiritual in the church, a very dedicated lady. But she had a defect like we all do. She talked a little too much. She even passed me, talked more than I do, you know. And she could talk your ears off. She could kill you talking. So when I said we got to listen in prayer, she said to me, do you think that I can do that? And I want you to be a polite pastor. I said, yes, you can. God can help you. In my mind, I said, good luck. <laughs> and she said, how do you listen? So I told her how I listen and how I reflect over the Bible verses that I read and how I pray and then listen and then pray and then listen. And then I told her, it's not oriental crazy meditation. It's not emptying your brain. It's contemplating Christ, contemplating the Bible, contemplating his law. Contem- you follow? You feel your brain. You don't empty your brain. And I talked to her. I said, I'll do that. And I gave her a few stories. And she was, okay, I will do that. And then the lady called me after about a week. And she said, it takes a lot of discipline. After 15 seconds, I cannot take it. I got to talk. I said, tell me something good that you do without discipline. I said, oh, you are right, pastor. So what should I do? I said, keep doing it, not once in a while, but as a way of life. Have a conversation with God. Don't just say the same words every day. If I said to my wife the same words every day, I would sleep on the couch. It has to be the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. And it has to be a conversation. If you have a friend that always talks and never allows you to talk, there's no friend. So I said, make it a friendship. Let God talk. And she said, I'll keep doing that. And she calls me two, three months later and she says, Pastor, as I did it, I started to distinguish God's voice among thousands of voices in my head. And the more I pray, the more I know him. I said, yep, because you cannot know somebody that you don't know. You need to spend time with him in order to know him. You follow me? You need to have a relationship in order to know him. Oh, why don't I hear his voice? Because you don't talk to him. So, she said, after about another month, you know, God talked to me. And he told me to start a community center. 
I said in my mind, I'm the pastor. Why didn't he tell me? But I kept quiet. I was polite. And she went to the board, and the board didn't listen. So she came to me and said, Pastor, you told me to pray that way. Now you got to help me. Why in the world I told her to pray that way? Now I got to help her. So she says, can you come Thursday morning so we look for a building and we start a community center for the poor? I said, okay, Thursday morning. Thursday morning, 9 o'clock, we met in Delavan, Wisconsin. We started from door to door until noon. At noon, I said, bye, God bless you. She said, okay, I see you next Thursday. I said, nope, you go alone. Oh, you told me to pray that way. Oh, okay, next Thursday. Next Thursday, we went again. Next Thursday again, six months every Thursday. She killed me. I was ready. I hated her. I was ready to move from that district. I could not stand her anymore. I mean, she was a good lady, but leave me alone. Every Thursday, I have a life. I have a district. I have other things to do. We went to every home, every door, every business. Finish the lavan, move to Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Every door, every business. Nobody had a room in our money. I said, are you sure God told you? Oh, I pray every day, and she says, just trust me and keep searching. Now, if you ask people what is the Seventh-day Adventist before, they would have said a restaurant. Now, after six months of knocking in every door and explaining that we want to start a community center for the poor, if you ask them who, is the Adventist, who are the Adventists, they will say, oh, it's a church who wants to start a community center to help the, the poor. God allowed it so the church gets known. But we didn't realize because we are so visioned and God sees the big picture. After six months when I was dead tired, ready to move from the district because of her, finally somebody comes to us and says, you came to me three months ago. I was not willing to give the room to you. I am bankrupt. I closed my store. I am willing to give it to you. Better Somebody than nobody, you know. And he said, I want 4,000 a month. We said, we can offer only 2,000 a month. He says, well, better than nothing. You can have it for 2,000. We signed the papers. I said, praise the Lord. I'm not going to see you next Thursday. I get young again. I didn't say that, but I thought so. <laughs> as soon as we signed the papers, I get a phone call. And he says, I'm the general manager of Kmart. Uh, did you get a room? I said, what are you talking about? For your store. I said, yes, we did. How do you know? He says, are you kidding me? Everybody knows. He says, you have the room? Yes. Do you have shelving? No. Well, we close Kmart. You can come and pick up all the shelving you want for free. We went there and picked up shelving. As I come back with one of my elders that filled the truck with shelving, somebody calls and says, we are the Methodist church. Did you get a room? Yes. Do you want donations? I said, we are Adventists. We take donations from anybody. I said, bring it on. He, they brought donations from the Methodist church. The Baptist church called. Do you want donations from us? Seven different denominations called. When Katrina came, we sent 18 wheeler truck after truck after truck from our little store. And we kept growing and growing. The government called and the government said, hey, we want you to handle the food stamps and the gas for the poor and this and that and that. We said, okay. And then the jail called. People, when they come from jail, they have six months probation. We want you to give them training, Bible studies. We want you to have them work as volunteers in your store. Would you do that? I said, yes, we can do it. And then we got a call and another call and another call. Everybody. Then we were on the front paper, newspapers every week. The Adventist church is helping our community. And then 
We got so many donations that we had no more room inside. We put them in the parking and the rain and the winter and the snow came. And the next door neighbor, the business that was selling clothing, comes and says, I'm not doing well. I closed half of my store. I have all my stuff in the front. The rear half, it's empty. I turn the electricity and the heating off because I have no money to pay. You do so much for us. Don't keep your stuff in the parking. Move it in the back of my store. I said, how much do you want to pay? How much do you want us to pay? He says, oh, you do so much for us. I want to be part of what you do. You don't have to pay anything. He said, praise the Lord. We got half of his store. Three months later, the guy from the left side, the other business comes and, and says, that guy told me that in three months, God blessed him more than in a lifetime in the whole store. I'm going to give you half of my store. Maybe God can bless me too. And then another one year later, we purchased the whole AutoZone building because we had no more room. And then we purchased both buildings because one lady was willing not only to talk, but to listen. Prayer is the breath of the soul. It's a conversation with the God of the universe. How many times we go to prayer after we make good plans and ask God to bless them and then we fail. Instead of going to prayer and ask God for the plans and then we experience blessings. Because we don't understand the power of God. And we talk about God, a God that has no power. And a God without power is no God at all. A form of religion denying its power. We need to understand prayer. We need to know how to pray in order to experience God, not to solve problems. And when we experience God and receive the Holy Spirit, then the power comes. Last story, and I, I didn't even go through the sermon, no worries. No need of sermon. Last story. We went to Cuba in October. Peter Blackburn, one of my elders, he's a, an eye doctor. He does laser eye surgery. He's on one of those smart people, you know. I don't understand much when he talks, but I love him. And he said, Pastor, I want to come to Cuba in mission trip. I said, come on. We divided it in three groups, and we went to three different locations that had no Adventist presence, and we planted three churches, baptized 26 people. Nobody said amen. Okay. <laughs> and we divided it in three. I was in one location, Melina, Melena del Sur. Peter went to a different location. He starts evangelism. Friday night, Saturday night, and the police comes and takes their room away. Says, you don't have enough approvals, you don't have enough papers, we, we cannot let you do it. If you continue, we put you in prison. So Peter calls me and says, Pastor, I paid 2500 for the room for the whole period, and they took the room, and they didn't give me the money back, and we have no money, and we have no room. Should we come and join your team? I said, Tell me where in the Bible you do something good without Satan attacking you. I said, no, you should not come to join me. You went there. We prayed before you went there. You kneel down and you pray because God has the room and has the money. My God has the money. My God owns all the money. I said, you, you kneel down and pray. Are you sure? I said, I am absolutely positive. This is your opportunity, not mine. They prayed, we prayed, the other team, Randy Schlimbaker, he's a doctor in the VA hospital. They prayed for Peter. Randy was in a third location. We all prayed. 
And then Peter said, God inspired me to go from church to church because in Cuba you are allowed to do evangelism inside a church, but you are not allowed to do in a building unless you have all the possible approvals from government and local city government. So he said, I'm going to go from church to church. He went to this and that and that and that. And eventually the Baptist church accepted them to do evangelism in their church, but they wanted 2,500 and he had no more money. He says, Pavel, I have this money, $2,000, but this money, I don't even remember how much he had, it's for food and lodging and Bible workers and the most important, transportation for buses, for people that we bring from villages every night and then drive them back. I cannot spend this money. Do you have some more money to send me? I said, no. And if, even if I did, I will not send them to you because it's Cuba. They will never get there. They will get somewhere else. And I said, you pray for money. He said, but, but, but we don't have the money. I said, you don't listen. I learned from my father. You pray. Because this is for God. This is not for you. You know? So, oh, okay. They started to pray. The Baptist pastor came. And he gave the Baptist pastor the money that they had for food and lodging and transportation. And after he gave the money, that night, he had, as usually, 16 people plus the Baptist pastor and his family. Next night, the Baptist pastor talked to the whole church. Hey, I checked them. They are good. The whole Baptist church came. In the first location, they had 16 people. Now they had the 16 plus the Baptist church. So the church was packed. Then he goes to the envelope and he says, he says to his wife, Diane, no more money. How are we going to pay the bus tonight? He goes to the envelope, all the money there, 2000 And he goes to the Baptist pastor and says, I'm sorry, I thought I gave you the money, but it seems I didn't. And the Baptist pastor said, are you crazy? You gave me the money. This is the envelope. It's full. And he says, but I do have it here. It's full. Well, I have it here. It's full. And Peter says, wonderful. Diane, did you have some reserve money? Not honey. I didn't have any reserve money. This is it. And he counts them to thousand. And he pays the driver and he pays the Bible workers and he pays the food for everybody. He pays the lodging. And tomorrow he pays again and he counts the money to thousand. And next day he pays again and he counts the money to thousand. And after the whole evangelistic campaign, he still had two thousand. I told him, I said, Peter, when you come home, would you be so kind to give me that envelope? <laughs> you can call and ask him. He's one of the elders in Lexington, Kentucky. You can call, feel free. I, I don't care. Call and ask him. Everybody exploded. Everybody was like in heaven. Wow, God is still alive. Yes, sure, he, he never changes. We do. God, who split the sea, he still does things when we know how to pray. A God that has power, a God without power is no God. It's our fault because we don't pray. We don't need a form of religion. We need a religion that, yes, forms are good, but a religion that is filled impregnated with God's presence to the point when people come, they see God and they are stunned. They say, wow, God is here. Our time is up, unfortunately. Good for me, I go to eat. (laughs) One more story and I'm done. I was in Cuba and a big guy, I was preaching, a big guy comes in the back Big Schwarzenegger, big, big. 
I mean, he could kill you. I mean, he would just rest on you and you go in the ground up to the middle. Big guy. And the head deacon, he's behind me while I preach. And when I'm done preaching, he gets to my ear and says, Pastor, get out through the back door and run as hard as you can. Don't even look behind. I said, why would I do that? You see that big guy? He's an alcoholic. He's in drugs. He's in witchcraft. He hates pastors. He hates churches. Every time we have a speaker, every time, regardless denomination, he beats them until they get blue eyes. They don't even need makeup. I said, you know, my father taught me during communism not to be afraid. He said, if you have a God, you have peace. So I'm not going to be afraid. Maybe God sent me here for him. I'm not going to run. So after I was done, I go straight to the door to shake his hand. Well, well, well. When he came to me, I kind of forgot my, all my courage. I became very small and he was very big. And when he comes to me, I do this. And he jumps on me and gets me in his arms and he squeezes me like, I have no air, leave me alone. And he gets his head on my shoulder and he starts crying. And I do, it's okay, it's okay. Put him on the back. It's okay. And he says, I thought, he was speaking in Spanish. I don't know Spanish, but I had the translator. I thought, I am the macho. I said to him, what is the macho? And he says, he translated all but the word macho. He says, oh, you don't know that? I said, no, I don't. The, the big one. I said, what do you mean? I thought, I am the macho in the whole town. But tonight, I saw the real macho. And it broke my heart to see what a God you have and how big he is and how good he is and how holy and how merciful he is. And he says, I want to know the macho. Would you baptize me? I said, that would be my privilege. And he says, but I am not happy. I said, why are you not happy? Marriage problems? He says, oh no, 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 no. My family doesn't know the macho. All they know is me. I want to bring them here tomorrow night. I said, bring them. Whoa, we don't have a car. So I said to brother Jorge, George. I said, brother George, you are the single one that have a car. Bring them tomorrow night. Oh, I don't have gas. How much do you need? Two dollars. I give him two dollars. He brings them tomorrow night. The big guy comes to me. He says, I'm not happy. I said, what do you want now? I have 150 alcohol friends. They don't know the macho. What do you want? Well, my neighbor has a big, 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 big uh, truck that has something in the back where he transports workers. Can you pay him to bring my friends? I said, okay, how much do you want? 20 bucks. I paid the driver 20 bucks. He brought 150 alcoholics next night. Then he comes, he hugs me, he says, now I have peace because they can learn about the macho. Folks, when you see God face to face, it changes your life. Nothing you do will ever, no form, nothing you do will ever change you. When you see God, you are changed from glory to glory without even effort. Just instantaneously at the foot of the cross, as you reflect, as you contemplate him, it works in your heart miracles. His presence changes you. And as you see him, as Isaiah saw him, as Paul on the road to Damascus saw him, as Zacchaeus saw him, as Nicodemus saw him, as all of them in the Bible saw him, as you see him, you are transformed, and then you explode, and you cannot keep it inside, and you tell to everybody, and as they see him, they are changed, and it's going to go like a fire. That's religion. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, 
Thank you for desiring with passion, with love, to have a relationship with us. Help us know you because to know you is life eternal. Help us not to procrastinate, but start today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.